remind me to tell special music to sing longer songs. Do you know that all of heaven is rejoicing right now because of what has taken place? Let's have a word of prayer, shall we? You are faithful, O oh Father. And we're grateful for that. That's why we want to make a stand today to be able to say, we are your people. We uplift and uphold what you have shared with us to be able to share with the world. And we are so grateful to be able to come and to worship you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Cal and Sean followed an example. They followed the example of Jesus. Where Jesus went down into the Jordan River and was baptized. And uh, when he came up out of the water, there was a form like a dove that came and landed upon him. And then a voice came out and says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Today, God is saying about Sean and about Calvin, these are my sons. And then about Cherry, this is my daughter in whom I'm well pleased. They followed the example of what's found in Romans chapter 6, if you would turn there, beginning with verse 1. Romans 6, because this is really a key for baptism in understanding what it all means. There's nothing magical about the water. It's the city water. There's nothing magical about the pastor or about Paul. We're just the servants but there is a symbolism that is here that we want to look at. Romans 6, beginning with verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin any longer live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us as we're baptized into Christ Jesus, we're baptized into his death. Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death. That just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old person was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, and that we should no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. They've been freed from sin. You want to turn this down a little bit? It's ringing. Thank you. They've been freed from sin. The symbolism that their life has been washed. I like what Isaiah says. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18. Isaiah 1, verse 18. Another text that we should all have close to our hearts. Isaiah 1, in the Old Testament, verse 18. 
Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be what? White as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Isn't that a wonderful promise? Now they are as white as snow. Because of their belief in Christ and because they have died to self in baptism, now they have the robe of Christ's righteousness on them. I like the hymn that's in your hymnal. If you would turn to hymn number 318, we're going to participate in this church service as a celebration because if all of heaven is rejoicing, I'm sure there's breaking out and singing of the heavenly choir that's taking place in heaven right now, so we might as well join with them. Turn to 318. We're going to sing the first and the last verse. 318, Whiter Than Snow. Just be seated as we sing together. I want thee forever to live in my soul. Break down every idol, cast out every foe. Now wash me Whiter than snow, whiter than snow, yes, whiter than snow, and I shall be white. Verse 4, verse 4. Lord Jesus, Thou seest, I patiently wait. Come now and within me a new heart create. To those who have sought thee, thou never said no. Now wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Whiter than snow, yes, whiter than snow. Watch me and I shall be whiter than snow. So now starts their new life. A new life in Jesus. They've been set apart as being different from the rest of the world. You see, they've been redeemed. Again, in Isaiah chapter 44, if you would turn there, Isaiah 44 and verse 22. I like what Isaiah says, especially the last part of verse 22. Isaiah 44 and verse 22. God is speaking through Isaiah, speaking to not only to these individuals, but to us as well, too. Isaiah 44 and verse 22. I have blotted out like a thick cloud your transgressions and like a cloud your sins. Return to me, for I have redeemed you. We're not redeemed for anything that we have done within ourselves, but it's what Christ has done for us. 
In fact, if you go to the Gospel of John, John chapter 1 and verse 29, the Gospel of John chapter 1 and verse 29. This is when John the Baptist first sees Jesus walking up to him. John chapter 1 verse 29 says, the next day John saw Jesus coming towards him and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Just when did Jesus take away the sin of the world? The Apostle Paul puts it this way in Galatians. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 13. Galatians 3 and verse 13. Galatians 3 verse 13. It says, Galatians 3, 13, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. You know what the curse of the law is? The law demands death for anyone who sins. Having become a curse for us, Jesus became the curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. The tree, of course, was the symbol of the cross. When Jesus went to the cross, he had our sins on his shoulders. It was as if he himself had committed those sins. But the Bible says he knew no sin. I don't, I don't understand it. I can't explain it. But somehow all of our sins were placed upon his shoulders. And the death that he faced on the cross was paying the penalty for sin. So Jesus has redeemed us by his blood. Turn to hymn number 337. We'll sing the first and last verse of redeemed. 337. Redeemed, how I love to proclaim it. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, redeemed through His infinite mercy, His child is God awesome. I mean, he's such a loving God to be able to be willing to do that, even though maybe we haven't accepted his gift that he's given to us. He also created the world. He placed mankind in the world because he loved them. 
And when they got into trouble, when sin entered into the world, just think of it. He sent his son to take care of the matter by dying on the cross. No wonder David expressed his appreciation for God in Psalms 31 and verse 19. Psalms 31 and verse 19. He says this. Oh, how great is your goodness, which you have laid up for those who fear you or respect you, which you have prepared for those who trust in you in the presence of of the sons of men. Now if you go to Daniel, Daniel 4 and verse 3. Again, he's expressing the awesomeness of God. Daniel 4 verse 3. Daniel says, "How great are his signs and how mighty his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and his dominion is from generation To generation. We have an awesome God who is so great that He stays with us right to the end. Isn't He a great God? Even though we make mistakes, even though we fall at times, He's still there with us. Let's look at Hymn number 86, and we'll sing the first and the third verse of hymn number 86. You sound so good from up here. I'm sure it sounds even better in heaven. Hymn number 86, the first and third verse.
baptized learn to appreciate this awesome God. And they've shared with us what God has done for them. He's a very personal God that works in personal lives. Now that they are baptized, God gives them a call. They're not to just sit in the pew. They're to do something. They need to discover their ministry. In fact, we all have a calling from God. We're all to do something. He's he's given us this calling that we're to do something in our homes, in our neighborhood, and in our community. If you're not doing anything, you're not following the call of God. I like what it says in Isaiah 6, the Old Testament, Isaiah 6. It's a question that that God is asking, and Isaiah is willing to answer, and we all need to answer as well, too. Isaiah 6 and verse 8, verse 8. Isaiah 6 and verse 8. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Then I, Isaiah, said, Here am I. Send me. That's what God's looking for. Is a group of people who are willing not only to follow God, but willing to be sent. Are you willing to be sent by God to represent Him in this community? If so, turn in your hymnals to 573. We'll sing the first and last verse of I'll Go Where You Want Me to Go. 573.
Now I need to share with these individuals. The devil's angry at your commitment today. We need to be honest. And he's going to try to be able to trip you up any way that he can. He'll tempt you. He'll deceive you. He'll lie to you. He'll even use some within the church to try to turn you away and make you discouraged. He's angry because we have a commission by our Lord. You're they that keeps the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus. We're to keep the commandments and we're to share with others. And he's going to cause burdens to fall upon your life if he hasn't already. To to stop you from sharing and being a disciple for Christ. But there's help that Jesus gives to us in Matthew 11. Matthew 11, verses 28 to 30. Matthew 11, 28 to 30. Jesus gives us the help that we need. Sometimes we need it just once in a while. Sometimes we need it more than once in the daytime. Matthew 11, verses 28 to 30. Jesus says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus is willing to remove the burdens of life off of you and supply a way out of all these things that the devil throws in front of you. You can either choose to go Jesus' way or you choose to go the devil's way. It's your choice. But if you go Jesus' way, he says that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Take your hymnal and turn to hymn number 476. We're going to sing all three verses of 476 because all of us in the church have burdens within our own personal lives that we would like to have lifted. And it's kind of a prayer this morning. 476.
the question I often get is this. How do we come to Jesus? We come to Jesus to have our burdens lifted in the same way that Jesus went to his father. It was Jesus' custom to go off and to pray, sometimes all night. When it was time for Jesus to go to the cross, he didn't break his tradition. He took his disciples to the Garden of Gethsemane. He asked them to pray with him. They kept falling asleep. But look what happened in the Gospel of Mark. If you want to turn to Mark 14. Mark 14, verses, beginning with verse 33, 33 to 41. Mark 14, verses 33 to 41. And he, Jesus, took Peter, James, and John with him, and he began to be troubled and deeply distressed. I guess I would call, would be called a burden, won't you think? Then he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch. He went a little farther and he fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. Then he came and he found them sleeping and said to Peter, Simon, are you sleeping? Could you not watch one hour? Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, he went away and he prayed and he spoke the same words. And when he returned, he found them asleep again. For their eyes were heavy and they did not know what to answer him. Then he came the third time and he said to them, are you still sleeping and resting? It is enough. The hour has come. Behold, the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. You see, even though his disciples were asleep when Jesus needed the encouragement, it didn't stop him. Sometimes when we're burdened with problems and we need encouragement, sometimes our friends are asleep to our problems Sometimes it's our church that might be unaware of what's taking place. Sometimes maybe we're not aware of sleeping ourselves. But what this is telling me is the example of Jesus was to come to the garden. Come to the garden in prayer, even if it's alone. Because you're not alone. Your Heavenly Father is there. Oh, we have such an awesome God who will be there and will listen, but not only listen, He will supply the answers. Hymn number 487, the first and the last verse in the garden. 487. I come to
be thinking, but life is so complex. How do I know God is capable of helping me? I'm so insignificant in this world. Well, you can count on him because Paul says that my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. He does supply the needs. In fact, the psalmist says the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength in whom I will trust, my shield and my horn of my salvation, my stronghold. He's a mighty God, isn't he? Turn in your hymnal to hymn number 506, the first and second verse of a mighty fortress is our God. 506, verses 1 and 2.
Duffy, we're going to go to the last one. He's the one that's going to win the battle for us. He's our only hope. He is our Redeemer. He is our coming Savior. And it's in Him that we do what the Paul says. For what is our hope, our joy, our crown of rejoicing? Is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at His coming? Our hope is in the second coming of Jesus, and I believe it's really soon, don't you? We're going to sing our final hymn. We want to stand together and sing hymn number 214. We have this hope. 214. at those who joined our church today and to be a part of our church family. But heaven is rejoicing because Jesus is coming soon. All of the universe has this hope that's burning within our hearts. Shall we pray? Oh, Lord, make this hope become a live, living flame within our lives. We have come to be your witnesses and your witnesses only. We are to up, stand up and to live the message of the Seventh-day Adventist Church because we are the remnant who is here to be able to carry on through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.